coming to get you, Barbara. the Ariser solo and uh you see there it got a little digital number pad yeah and you could set the uh temperature gauge and everything uh but what it it has a chamber that's kind of like a smaller than a normal pipe okay and you, you pack a little pipe and you put it in there and it goes it's a vape but you don't have to buy juice cartridges you just buy the same stuff you'd put in a bong so you don't have to think about your gin and juice nope no gin require interesting 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 yeah dude i really wanted to get down to a dispensary this week but i just i just couldn't oh you you don't want to come filthy stoner like i am save yourself from that fate i wanted to wanted to yeah, imbibe a little bit but <laughs> no, i'm just ribbing you to be fair i am a little drunk which is fine because it's been weeks well, since i've uh, we all had... get there somehow huh yeah it's been weeks since i've had a touch of alcohol mm. um, i have to give that chip back <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give me a chip and the chip that they gave me i ate like my uh wife's brother always says uh i'm not an alcoholic because they have meetings <laughs> yeah my uh my dad said that uh uh something similar along the lines of uh of um uh quitting but for him it was with quitting smoking and the fact that uh gears are not quitters <laughs> <laughs> we see things through to the end son yes <laughs> oh that's oh, good man. i like that so, dude, um, I have not seen Hobo with a Shotgun in years. Uh, well, years, maybe about like two or three years. This was the first time me actually getting back uh, and sitting down and watching it, and I forgot how fucking amazing this movie is. So, you know, this, this is it's Grindhouse, but this reminds me of what I thought Troma was meant for, you know? Trauma fell off the cart because they just really stopped giving a shit. They're just like, we, we like to be bad for the sake of being bad. But this was, this was authentic. This was like, we just really want to make this movie over the top, completely ridiculous. I, w- I need more films like this. Yes, yes. I, um, so another movie that I saw at the Fantastic Fest, um, and I bought the Blu-ray to this, and they have a whole bunch of special features, and I thought I was going to do what I did with Trick or Treat and watch the special features in order to cheat. But their special features show you how much of an amateur movie this was because I watched literally two hours of special features and it's just them recording random shit that happened behind the scenes. So there's an entire like 10 minute scene. So you know when, um, when she gets her neck cut and they're in the hospital and uh, you see the doctors like, you know, live, live, you fucking whore, live. Yeah. You know, it's just showing the director with everybody behind him eating grilled cheese as he's directing <laughs> this scene. And there's no point to this behind the scenes. It's just him directing like, um, okay, and louder, louder. I want a, a, 
more you're 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 worried you're i want more intensity and and everybody else behind him just like chomping down <laughs> grilled cheese it's 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 weird it's really weird that's a hard though you know you gotta like they're people too i remember james gunn used to tell a story about how he would sleep on the floor because there was this one house that trauma would rent and James Gunn would go and intern. And then that's how he got moved up to like working on other stuff. But he talks about, you know, the people, just bodies everywhere. They would rent a place and they would pack like 40 people in it. Dude. And then they would sleep there on the floor and the couch and every surface. And then they'd get up and they'd film from like, you know, all day long and then go back and sleep in the little like crack house. Yeah. See, you know, anybody, anybody who uh, listens to this, who, um, works with me in the film industry is probably going to chastise me for this, but that's what I love about filmmaking. I love those shitty projects where you end up in a situation like not right now because of COVID I've actually turned down a bunch of projects because they're going to be situations like that. But before COVID, you know, the camaraderie and the amazing stories that come out of bullshit like that is not always, but sometimes worth there. There's a few projects I've done that were not worth the uh the the horror that was the actual production but a lot of times they are worth it it's it's passion it's you know you all share this passion that brings you together no matter if there's money or not that's why you make the movie whereas when you go to get paid you know you're there for a dollar that's why you have on one hand you know like uh sequel number 10 of some like rom-com bullcrap that they pump out every year and then yeah. you have weird, bizarre, off-the-wall films like what we love to review because these people make these because they're so dedicated to the craft. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, um, one of the things about uh, this film that I found very interesting is the majority of the script was all um, like one-liners. It felt like almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger had written the uh, movie because everything was like... For instance, one of my favorite things that was said in this movie was at the beginning of the movie, after that guy's head gets pulled off by the uh, uh, razored barbed wire, and he's like, don't forget to wash your dicks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That Yeah, I was... I was, but when you started talking about the one-liners, the first thing that came to my head was the ending. <laughs> I am gonna send. We're gonna ride together to hell, and I'm riding shotgun. It was like this is <laughs> ten out of ten, dude. Oh, it's so almost, st- it's stupid, but good. Why? How does it reverse itself like that? Right, because the plot line of this movie is very simple. You have a homeless guy who comes to a town, decides he wants to buy a lawnmower so that he could start his own business. And then finds out it's corrupt, grabs a shotgun, and tries to clean up the town. That's the so, basic So, first line. of all, uh, um, I'm pretty assured that this is actually a video game. Uh, originally? No, I, I think it's a video game. Because he gets a shotgun, and it it's unlocked with unlimited ammo. He <laughs> so, basically, no he got God Because he pays him the money for the shotgun at the pawn shop. And he doesn't put ammo in it. He doesn't buy ammo. At no point is there any really, there's like one or two scenes where he's loading a shell, but it's never discussed. Like it goes back to the uh, flip of that is Desperado came out and we're like, oh, cool. A movie where every single bullet's being counted and reloaded and counted and reloaded. And, you know, and and it's not perfect in that movie, but people try to pay attention. That's a factor of, of gun battles. No, he just gets it 
infinite ammo from the beginning and he's just running around like a video game headshot 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 yep, yep. I, and i i loved that about this movie because at no point did i like when the movie's over you think about it and yes that that's definitely a thing but when you really think about it uh when you're watching the movie you don't you don't see that i i want the sequel i not only want the sequel hobo with shotgun 2 uh but where what's her name the uh, uh streetwalker lady has become one of the uh the plague because that's a oh. that's a dangling plot line yeah there's actually i think um i think the plague was actually a short film done by the director before this uh no so the plague the plague was before this but uh there were the tentacles like an octopus back there and I'm, like i want a whole side story about that i want to know more yeah, so do I. I. I thought that that whole thing, like especially with them being the plague, like I was thinking maybe this might be a Cthulhu reference or something like that. That would be really yeah. Cool. And then it had the like religious members and historical figures. They cross their eyes out, and all it was so it was so out of the rest of the film because the rest of the film is just a bunch of street criminals. And then there's this like cult Cthulhu religious ancient conspiracy called the plague with a robot and a guy yes. in battle armor. Well, and- they were both they were both in battle armor. You know, it's funny if you look at the credits. Was the guy who played the robot or whatever is the same actor as the dumb brother? Oh, really? I did not know that. Yeah, Nick Bateman, uh, who plays Ivan, he also plays Rip. Interesting. I so of of the plague, which was your favorite? The the ninja guy or the one that was like? Wah, wah, wah. I think ninja guy didn't really talk. Like the robot was the one who did the lighting the cigarette and talking and interactions, and the other guy well, just kind of like killed people. The the ninja one at the end said that uh, the brother was replaceable. Oh, remember was that him? Yeah, yeah. He's uh. like replaceable. <laughs> yeah, I just I did I didn't feel a presence of him like character wise. He was just a beat stick. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I did love, I loved the, uh, um, every time they put a uh, noose around the uh, guy's neck at the, uh, at the hospital and then they'd shoot the little harpoon gun up in the ceiling and then like, hang him. That is so cool. I want that weapon in every game that I play. Now. I, I love that. Like from there, they get to switch to a completely, uh, red color dim, like wash yes. and you go back. It's like you, you go through the hallway the first time when they're coming in the hospital then the bad guys go through the hallway and hang people. And then you go back through the hallway a third time. They got a lot of use out of that hallway. Yeah. And uh, you brought up a really good point. The color in this film, like me as a DIT, oh I really appreciated the color in this film because it, 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 if you notice at the beginning, it starts out, it says colored by Technicolor and it, it grindhouse films were, um, I believe they were um, 60s, 70s and 80s. Might yep. be 70s and 80s. Yep. Technicolor 70s. era. But they were very saturated colors back then. I don't know if it was just their thing or the way the film stock. And they colored this movie that way. And not only did they color this movie that way, but they used the colors in the film to represent different attitudes and things. Like oh, I love when, it. when he's looking in at the babies, like he's, he's at that point resigned to his future. He's going to go, he's going to kill these guys. He wants to save the girl. So he's in kind of a yellow. So he's, he's, um, in an angry and violent color. But when he's looking at the babies, the babies are blue, which is a very passive and very safe color. And uh, it's not until the plague comes in and red goes throughout the entire thing because that entire future becomes a, uh, a possibility rather than a definite. Yeah, I love that. 
I know exactly what you mean. It it reminds me of like the stuff that the um oh god what was that? It was a guy who did Mandy. Before that, he did Beyond the Black Rainbow, and there's a couple of other like recent um filmmakers who have made films with that really washed out Technicolor old school mm-hmm. look. I just I love that anything like that that's just like pure colors. This film is not only that, but you also have like the uh, um, the Sam Raimi thing, where they had all when the characters first pop up, the kids there's like a lot of camera movement around their faces, like yes. shaky cam and all. But each character like has almost a distinct vibe to the camera movement, to the video layout, like the hobo himself, like the camera is very solid. And then some of the other characters, the camera gets all wobbly. It's just a lot of variation, a bunch of different techniques in this. Well, this movie itself was planned out very, very carefully because this was originally done as part of a contest. I remember that. I remember that contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they got the money. They shot this all up in Canada. And the director took a lot of time to make sure that he used what he could very, uh, not sparingly, but he, he was very aware of the amount of time he had with each shot, with each scene, and so on and so forth. And I believe Rutger Hauer actually came onto this for very, very small amount. Like, he did not get his SAG wages or anything for this film. Um, so... The planning of this film, and I and I think that has a lot to do with the the way they did that that type of camera angles, because the closer stuff that was like pushing in and everything, like when you look at the arcade, the arcade feels massive, but when you really think about what did you see of the arcade, there's not a lot there. But it the feels camera. massive the way they have the characters or the people stretched out, the way they shoot it, the way they push the camera through different scenes, and if you pay attention enough, it's not a very big space that they were in. So I'm looking up the directory. He did VHS 2, ABC's of Death, and stuff after that. But you know what else he did? He did Dark Side of the Ring. No way. Yeah, he's on 16 episodes. That is wild. As the director? Uh, that's, well, yeah, under, he's directed 16 episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. No shit. So yeah. actually, you know what? That kind of makes sense because um, that's with Vice, and Vice is a, a Canadian company. Yeah. And uh, the one of the Trailer Park Boys was in this film, so he did a Trailer Park Boys piece. Oh, I'm not sure Trailer Park is in the TV show Trailer Park Boys? Yeah. Yeah, because the, at the beginning, the brother who's running around and gets his head chopped off, that dude was from Trailer Park Boys. So like, I recognized him. Oh. So I guess that led to him coming on and doing a Trailer Park Boys directing piece. Oh, interesting. That, that could be. Ironically, um, do you remember, uh, and it's a very kind of pointless part of the film, so it it might not be something that stuck out in your mind, but there's a point before the hobo gets the shotgun where there's a guy who gets dragged away by a bunch of punks. Yeah. That's the director. (laughs) That's a perfect placement. Put yourself. I get murdered by my crew. Yep. Well, he doesn't actually get murdered, but he gets dragged away by dragged away by them uh, after they spit on his. Uh, I need money for a lawnmower. Yeah, thing. yeah, I remember that scene. Dude, talk about talk about such a simple premise: a hobo that wants to start a lawn company and ends up getting a shotgun. <laughs> to be, to be honest, it got to the point where it's almost a little too cardboardy for me because it's it's symbolic, like the actual film symbolic. You know, go out and murder the homeless. 
no, the homeless run this city. Like it's almost uh, uh, back to Captain Planet levels of like, we are good people and they are evil. But it, it works. Like it, it fits and there's at no point are you like, no, nah, this doesn't make sense. You're just like, okay, yeah, let's do this. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I, I, I like also the fact that the bad guys in this, at no point do they feel at all redeemable. No, like you never, you never get a oh, you know, he had a really shitty upbringing, or oh, this, that, and the other thing. But so the, that that brings me to another point. The so first of all, the bad guy Drake, right, the main yeah. villain of it. I I recognized him, but I couldn't place it until after I watched the film. I'm obsessed with a late '90s, early 2000s sci-fi series called Lex. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, and we could get into that on a whole side note, but he played a character called Stanley Tweedle and he was a dopey idiot who couldn't do anything right. Janitor. It wasn't a janitor. It was like a desk attendant, but he's basically the janitor. And okay. he like, he, he just nails it completely over the top. At first I thought it was um, the one guy who played Squiggy back on Laverne Shirley, but it would be a way big age difference. So Brian, uh, Downey, which is his name, this character is just like completely out of the park. Just over the top, whiny, high pitched villain who's a coward and a murderous psychopath. Interesting. He plays a very different character in this one because he's like, he's got all his shit together and everything. Yeah. Huh. So, um, what was your favorite part about this movie? Oh, God. I love everything, <laughs> every part of this. All right. Choose, what- choose two. Whoosh. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I like the whole weird turn into robot ninjas, squid things. Like everything about that is just so out of the blue from the rest of the movie. And it fits in with Grindhouse. So I'm, I'm going to say that is my, my big thing that I really took out of the film and loved it. The other, I don't... I don't know, man. There's so many seats. They burned a whole school. That's the other thing. The school bus. They burn the school bus, <laughs> and then it returns back to take his soul when the sun dies. And that's like one of the only other times you see anything spiritual or anything like uh-huh. ghost in nature. The only supernatural aspect of the whole film. And it just comes out of nowhere, but you you like don't doubt it because this dude deserves what he got. So oh, yeah. when a truck full of ghosts come up and take him away into the flames... You're like, oh, that just happened, and I'm not even going to question it. And then never again in the film, never again in the whole film, do they return back to anything. Like, they don't do that for the other characters. It's just the one character. Yep. Yeah, Uh, so the weird swerves is what I loved. In the the documentary, they uh, filmed the day when they're shooting that, and he's looking at the camera, and he says, this is, this is, uh, this, people are going to hate me for this. I'm like, well, what are you doing today? He's like, well, uh, we're um, we're doing a scene that I really don't want my mom to watch. <laughs> it's, it's it's grindhouse, it, and it, it fits the characters. Yeah, and it, it's just it's perfect for this this type of a movie. Like when he when he gets up on that bus and he's like, "Do you love school? Do you love puppies? Do you love hobos?" And they're like, "Yeah." And he turns around, "I hate hobos." Hate he hobos. just burns them all. It's just great. Um, for me, it's funny. It's funny because he hates homos, yet he's the one who's flaming. 
<laughs> well, he says hobos, not homos, but uh, yeah. Oh, oh. So I wa- I took something entirely different from that scene. I thought he was just homophobic. He's like, no, that's wrong. I may be a psychopath who murders people and tortures them, but I ain't against fags. <laughs> and I just, I want to say for the record, anybody listening, uh, I'm, I'm not exactly straight, so... <laughs> <laughs> well if, if if any of our listeners have listened to any of our episodes they probably oh got that yeah yeah um my two favorite things are two favorite scenes of this movie is one uh when the drake is talking to his two sons after um slick gets beaten by the hobo and uh he tells the older one he's like put your head down he puts his head down while they're having <laughs> a discussion and for no reason in the background you've got three women in their underwear with baseball bats beating a guy hung upside down. And while they're having that conversation, they're just, it's, it's almost like watching a playmate video of them just bouncing around, beating this guy in the background, completely fucking out. And like, there was that earlier scene when they, the head chops off and she like bright bathes in the blood. Yes, that too. They're they're just like hippie hanger on groupies or something. Mm -hmm. Something like that. It's like Charlie's angels like charlie manson's angels <laughs> or Dahmer's angels mm. yeah and then the uh the other, angels. the other one that i really liked is when they when he shoots the cop and then he uses the cop to cover himself in the oh shopping cart and then he reaches <laughs> his hand up through the body yeah he and, didn't shove the body off he goes through the body why yep. and he just looks at her and he's like you're sick it's like you were just under this body and you just crawled through the middle of this cop that you shot. Oh, that reminds me. I love her steered lines. I get paid to fuck. And he's just like, nope, I don't want nothing to do with this crazy town. <laughs> Everything about it. It's like the dialogue is so bad, but they're really trying to sell it. So yeah. they're all like a bunch of good actors in it. Yeah, I mean, well, Rutger Hauer playing the lead, and Rutger Hauer is phenomenal. Rutger. I, grew uh, up I mean, with the, Rutger Hauer, he's my, he's like a part of my childhood. Same here, dude. Same here. And and the the dialogue in this was definitely meant to be exactly where it was. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not re- well written from a standpoint of James Cameron or like even Tarantino. Tarantino is like all about words. Yeah. Um. But I would say that this movie is written perfectly for what it is. Oh, I laughed so hard. That whole series of lines where they were like, you know, there are other towns that have grass and we could go cut that grass and we could get together and I could be a teacher. Like it was, it was like listening to 10 year olds talk about running away together. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, the, and the music for all that too. Like the music. Oh, the music itself. is so on par for every scene. Get some music. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. And it feels it feels like a grindhouse film. It feels like a movie that was shot low budget, but you can tell that it was not low budget. I'm gonna well, put was, a caveat in that. I'm gonna put a huge giant dagger in the heart caveat with a little note on it. Uh-oh. And the note says, uh, I would say there's been a lot of really bad grindhouse, and I would say that this represents the peak achievement of what grindhouse should be and we should see a lot more of grindhouse like this i agree that i can agree with 100 percent. i i feel like that this is the this would be basically the study guide for what a grindhouse film should be 
this or movies like Nectronic, because Nectronic was um, not a grindhouse film, but it definitely was very close to what a grindhouse film would be on a higher budget. Oh yeah, Nectronic was a much higher budget, but that's like the found footage era. You know, the, everybody with a camera said, "Oh, we could do found footage." No, we put effort into it. With Grindhouse, you actually have to put a little more effort into it. Yeah, but yeah, very much uh, so. also is um, the found a footage takes effort. itself. Found footage is like too serious. Or oh no, this is seriously. This really happened. Where this is not a movie. And Grindhouse is like, this is totally a movie. We're all going to look at the camera. Which, uh, speaking of another film, we talked the other day about the only trauma film we wanted to do was Poultrygeist. And yes. it was my favorite gag from Poultrygeist is when they all say, you know, uh, like you work, you're doing money for the corporations and they're evil. And then everybody pulls out a Starbucks. <laughs> of course, of course. Dude, we, we could probably do one on uh, uh, Poultrygeist. I have a, a friend of mine oh, who was in Poultrygeist and... If I can convince her to be on the podcast, then... then oh, I'd love to hear that. background stories about that. Yeah. I'd love to know anything. Because I, I, I like what Trauma was trying to do, and they were a big part of my childhood, but it's kind of... when There's a lot of other people doing what they do much better than they do. Uh-huh. And I, I just feel bad. But Poultrygeist is the one film that, uh, that I can actually rewatch over and over again. I can't, I love, I love toxic Avenger. I can't watch any of those films. They're just hard to watch. A lot of the films are just really like you do it uh, at a party or you do it like for everybody's drinking game sort of thing, but I can't sit through them. Yeah, no, that's, that's, I could sit through. That's fair. I, to be honest, I haven't seen Poltergeist yet, so I can't really speak to that. But I have seen a bunch of Toxie, the Toxic Avenger, because that was my Ninja Turtles when I was growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it, I mean they're they're okay. It's just they push it for extreme, just for purposes of extreme. Uh, with Poltergeist, so it's also a musical, so you get musical numbers, you get blood oh and God. gore, and you get great comedy. So it has this like perfect mixture of all the shit going on. So what you're saying is it's legitimately the perfect Thanksgiving holiday movie. It is. It is. Yeah. I don't know why more people don't watch it for Thanksgiving. It's great. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, for Thanksgiving, I actually ended up watching Raw. Have you have you seen Raw? Raw. Yeah. Is it a film? Yeah. Are you are you not familiar with that? Is it the one where? Uh... That's cannibalism, isn't it? Uh, kind girl goes of. to veterinary school. No, she's a she's a vegan who uh, is forced to eat meat. She goes to veterinarian school and she tastes meat for the first time and is craving flesh. Yeah, yeah it looks good. I probably yeah, watch this. But it's 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 kind of a um, I would say Cronenberg esque in the way they show the food and how the eating happens and everything. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah, the, did, movie, um, the movie his grossed His son me did Antiviral, which is... Uh, I, I love the film, but it's kind of hard to film. I don't know if you know what Antiviral is. I don't. Uh, so Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg, did Antiviral Possessor. I got to see Professor. I would love to talk about Possessor on the show. Uh, but Antiviral, which came out a couple of years ago, was a future where they grow um, celebrity. There's one part of the company does celebrity uh, diseases. You know, I want the, I want whatever cold or hepatitis or whatever disease that whatever favorite starlet, Scarlett Johansson or something got. Right. So 
the corporation would go to, you know, like say a famous actress, get a sample of her disease and then breed more of it and then give that to people and they would pay big money to be infected by diseases. And his friend, he goes to visit his friend and his friend works at a restaurant where they take genetic samples of famous movie stars and they grow steaks out of the movie stars genes. So you're oh eating, you know, God. this, this steak tastes like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. And that's, it's, it's a weird <laughs> oh. psychedelic. It's Cronenberg, first of all. So his son is, you know, like extra potent Cronenberg. Yeah. That is really fucked up. I, I love Cronenberg. You said you haven't seen enough of them. And I think we should at some point do a Cronenberg run because his work is a lot of it is symbolic. There's body horror involved, but the majority of it is concepts, you know, like Videodrome isn't just about a guy whose TV uh, f- turns into flesh and a gun hand comes out and then he runs around with a gun merged into his flesh. Yeah, or existence, which is a precursor to the Matrix, and they're in a video oh. game that's in a video game. Yes, that I've seen. I've seen Existence, and I loved it. Oh, I love it. It's such an amazing movie. But the body horror thing bothers me. The like the boils and the the cutting open. Like I cannot watch even fake surgery. Like it makes me gag. There, there's like, definitely points when you're gonna have to look away. Yeah, and that that's stuff that they show on like regular television, watching Law and Order or whatnot. You end up seeing some sort of that, and I can't watch that stuff. I, you know, uh, if if you really want to, uh, you know what? Actually, let's do it this way. If there's anybody out there that wants us to do a podcast on some Cronenberg films, <laughs> let us know. And if you really want me to be tortured and force me to watch this stuff and and hear my reaction, then please let us know. Well, we can avoid like the fly or like some of the because that that's mainstream. Everybody knows the fly, but you know, like if we stick to like scanners or dead ringers or I've seen scanners, uh, videodrome, existence. We, we stick to there's a lot of his films that aren't even body horror. Hmm. But, so why is uh, he why is he known for the body horror? Because it sounds like he's because he uh, loves to put it in. He because lo- for for him the body is the is a symbolic part of the character. So you know his characters aren't just a person, but they're also uh, metaphor and symbolism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So like the the guy starts becoming a television. He gets a VHS hole in his gut, <laughs> and he puts VHS tapes in there, and you know like the TV comes alive and stuff like that because it's the whole thing about video drums is a guy finds a snuff market online. That's on a channel. Nobody can trace where the source is coming from, but it turns out to be like from outside our dimension an extra dimensional, you know, alien realm or something that's sending the signal of people being murdered on television. And then it drives this guy crazy as he, his flesh merges with the television and he goes on a rampage Hmm. it's it's wild it's about tv and how we um are basically addicted to our own self-abuse through television well i'm definitely not addicted to um television in any sort of way shape or form at all well i mean (laughs) you know and also this is what the mid 80s late 80s so making a statement about a certain it's the same era as like running man yeah which was making the same statement very, very far ahead of their time, because especially back then, I, I know that my parents, if anything, were always like, you know, you get seven o'clock to what was it, seven to ten, we could watch movie or watch TV, but that was it. Uh, we're not allowed to have the TV on at any other point of the day. Now you've got things like Netflix and 
Shutter and Amazon where you can just binge yeah. watch all day long. But you got to keep in mind with that that there is a difference because we're not talking about Leave It to Beaver, Brady Bunch, Bewitch. We're not talking about you know what television was in their era. We're talking about hardcore. You know, the edgiest. Remember the 90s and wrestling was super edgy and <laughs> Bart said curse words and the Simpsons you couldn't watch. Oh, I remember that when when Bart, they, they promoted it for almost a month that Bart was going to say shit on TV. Yeah. And everything became more sex, more violence, more, 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 more. And that's where these these films come from is this response to we're going to a point where there's no longer morals or any, you know, we could just watch people being horribly, brutally murdered on TV and not even bat an eye at it. You go back to the fifties and they're like, that's unheard of. So there's a huge transition. And these films that people like Cronenberg and running man and stuff make is a response to the trend they see in us uh, just wanting to push it so far that it goes overboard. That that's true, but when you look back at like the forties and fifties, we weren't having a lot of violence or anything on TV, but it was okay to beat your wife on TV. Yeah, to the moon, Alice, to the moon. Yeah, yeah, that still drives me crazy. I can't believe they got away with some of that shit. I know, right? And people people say that that era of TV was better than the era of TV now because we have to. Well, constantly there's there's a difference. What's going on? What was the name of that show, Alice? Uh, to the moon when that that saying honeymooners the honeymooners i think, I think it was the honeymooners um i'm pretty sure that they just rebooted that yeah well they they did a couple movies with um oh what are those two actors it's gonna drive me crazy just thinking about it was it 2019 no there's a bunch of marathons that come up but i could have swore that they redid that and they had um woody harrelson as uh the guy who was like to the moon no well no i can't think of they did a couple movies that were more modern reboots okay here we go all in the family and jefferson's reboots yeah woody harrelson it's he, coming uh woody What's harrelson and Mar- marissa tomei uh channel archie and edith bunker there's that's weird um, I don't want to read this whole article because it's going to be really boring for anybody who's actually listening. Uh, but apparently, uh, George Jefferson is played by Jamie Fox. Oh, holy shit! Well, they well they did those movies with Cedric the Entertainer and Mike Epps, but you're saying that Woody Harrelson is going to lead? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, they don't. They don't put dates on anything. Oh, here we go. Uh, May twenty third, two thousand nineteen. I guess it's something that's going to be coming up because that was last year. So I mean, if it didn't air already, then it's it's probably something coming out in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one or something like that. But I'd be surprised. Oh, it says live action, uh, live reenactment classics. Okay. Oh, I see. was this was this like the thing that they did when they rebooted the Golden Girls with the? Uh, um... I think it's a one-time live in front of a studio. Off, yeah, it's a live in front of a studio audience. Norman Lear is all in the family and Jeffersons. Oh, all right, I'm not interested anymore. Yeah, it's like a Broadway thing. <laughs> I hate it when they do that. When they when they do these like live one-time things, it's. Oh, and did you ever see the uh, uh, Peter Pan one with Christopher? Oh, what's his name? 
Walken? What is his last name? Walk, Walken. Christopher Walken. Yeah, the no. Peter Pan one where he played Hook. No. Oh, it was bad. Wait, it was, was that so with him bad. and Robin Williams? No, 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 no. So NBC started doing these live, uh, like Broadway musical type of stage productions, and they did Sound of Music. They did um, Hairspray. They did, or no, that was probably Fox. But they, so they've been doing them back and forth. Jesus Christ Superstar, you know, so Fox, NBC, or like, I'll do one. Oh, no, I'll do one. And they did a version of Peter Pan that was bad because things didn't go right. And Christopher Walken, like, I don't know. It just did not work as a live production. Okay. Christopher Walken comes out as Hook and, you know, he's like, let's tie these kids up to the mast. <laughs> and everybody else is, you know, doing, oh, look, it's Peter Pan. <laughs> you, I, should, you should go try a clip of it because they made fun of it. They roasted it so bad on every comedy. With, with Christopher Walken, if he doesn't hand you a remote control that can stop and start time, I don't want it. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Love me some Christopher Walken. Yeah, I think Hobo with a Shotgun could have used some more Christopher Walken. To be I think honest. he could have just used a little bit of Christopher Walken just to begin with. Yeah, I think yeah. it. I think it definitely. Uh, I don't know if this dude's ever going to go back to that, but I would like to see another uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. There's a yeah, film that I goes agree. around in my circles uh, that's Zombie with a Shotgun, which just seems like they're trying too hard. Zombie with a Shotgun is that? Was that made after Hobo? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's somebody wanted to make a zombie movie, so they called it Zombie with a yep. Shotgun. 2000, 2019, oh, 2012. All right, so the first one was 2012, and that was a year after Hobo with a Shotgun uh, was released. Interesting. Might have to take a look at that just to see if there's anything. Uh, it says here good. they did a web series, so if you go on Amazon Prime, you can watch Zombie with a Shotgun. We are not affiliated with this film. Unless it's really good, then we're still not affiliated, but you know, we'll take credit for it. So there's <laughs> going to be a whole spawn of with a shotgun films. I'm my, the one I'm looking forward to the most is shotgun with a shotgun. <laughs> double barrel fun. Factions <laughs> double barrel. <laughs> oh my God. I, I, I need more movies like this in my life though. Cause this movie is just, do. it's, it's fun. You, you can literally walk in at any point and just pick up everything that they're laying down for you. It's super cheesy, super relevant, super fun. It has, it says a lot for, for has as bad and low budget of a movie as it is. It says a lot about, especially now when you look at it, police brutality, um, the mob mentality, um, homelessness and the way we view it, uh, humanity in general, and the way we view that. Like, there's just so many different things that you can pull out of this movie, whether intentional or not, that makes it, in my opinion, a classic. I, I don't want to feel bad, and I'm, I'm going to say this. I'm just going to put it out there, and I feel terrible about it, but I think we should have just watched this instead of VFW because I feel like I gained <laughs> nothing from one. Yeah, I feel like VFW kind of tried to be Hobo with a shotgun in some ways. It would have been it cool if Rutger Hauer showed up in the middle of that movie and he's like, oh, a bunch of fucking beautiful. baby pansies. If you were really bears, you wouldn't be hibernating in this bar. Oh, You'd be thinking... That was in the original too, I believe, because they showed the... So I don't know if you know this. Um, Rutger Hauer was not the original Hobo. Yeah. 
The original hobo was another character. He's one of the cops. Uh, he plays one of the cops in Hobo with a Shotgun. But in the original trailer, uh, which you, if you haven't, go go and watch it because every scene from the original trailer appears in the new movie with Rutger Hauer. So, so to be clear, uh, back in the day, I was super obsessed with the first Grindhouse project that they put out. And I remember going to the theaters and watching the whole thing in theaters, both uh, was it Planet Terror was first and then Death Proof was second? Yeah. Or was it the other way around? Uh, well, Anyways. And then, yeah, Death Proof was the second one of that group, but it was, it was one movie that they put out. So you watched them, then you watched all the fake trailers and you watched the other one. And like the night before I went to go watch it in theaters, they were running that contest thing. And I remember around that same period, I watched Hobo with a shotgun. I was like, I really got to watch this film. I totally love this. And then time happened and I never got <laughs> to the film. And I kept thinking like I should, but I mean, it's just a Hobo with a shotgun. What am I missing out with? And I feel bad because I'm missing out on uh, robot ninjas with tentacles. And dude, the name for it, Plague amazing i love i love the whole idea like without them actually sitting there saying anything you've got their entire history that plague yeah. is not two people plague is a um kind of like the knights templar it's an, they it's an are order yeah it's an order because it, when one dies they need to be replaced by another one and when you see the people that they've killed throughout history with the little red marks across their face that was just beautiful it was beautiful although i don't know if that the, as funny as it is to do all the name call dropping to all those other like historical elements, does that mean that Hobo's shotgun is on par with Joan of Arc and Jesus and stuff? Yeah, That's hilarious. Because they're yeah. like, oh yeah, it's just about the same. He's he's destroying a great evil and and freeing people, <laughs> cleaning the streets. You don't use a broom. I loved I loved her uh, the 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 hooker with a heart of gold. I love her when she stands up on her soapbox and she starts talking to all those people who want to kill the homeless people. And she's like, you're in their home. Their home is the biggest home of all ours. Their home is the street and they just want to clean their home. <laughs> it's like every conversation. Great. It's so simple, but it's so like, you know, it's symbolically right. Uh, yeah. You know what I love about that character too? She gets her hand chopped off. And she just starts stabbing the shit out of people with her bone blade. Yes, right? How awesome was that? That's pretty hardcore. The that, first that time I saw the first time I saw that, I thought she had just gotten her middle uh, everything except for her middle finger. And I thought she was stabbing him with her middle finger. That's pretty funny. I didn't realize it was the the this yeah. part of the arm bone. That's so good. Uh but that whole conversation with the bear was uh, the foreshadowing where he was like, bears taste blood, they go crazy. And then he gets a shotgun and kills someone. He's like, I'm going to fucking kill you all. And he is the bear. <laughs> yep. He also wears the bear shirt from that point on when he, when he starts killing people. Yeah. That's true. But I and, mean, it's just like they layer it in a way where it's, it's simple and upfront, but it is very in depth. And there is a sort of like deeper meaning to this whole thing. Yeah. Now, the bear story is an interesting thing. Um, when I was watching the behind the scenes, if I remember this correctly, because I remember this from the first time I watched it, not this last time because I didn't get through all of them, so much of it. But if I remember correctly, on a break, 
the original hobo told that story to somebody and it was recorded on camera. And because it was recorded on camera, they decided to put it into the new movie and bring it into the entire realm of the film. If I remember correctly, I could be, I could be slightly wrong off that, but I remember seeing uh, the original hobo leaning on a fence, talking to the camera, smoking a cigarette while telling that story about the bear. So one thing that you don't get in an artificial lab when you're creative is you sit at home and you put words onto a paper and you think this is a story. But when you get onto, especially like film projects or other kind of projects where it's a bunch of people behind the scenes, they tell anecdotes, they yeah. talk, they share stories. And those, this accumulated web quilt of tales that people pass back and forth become the inspiration and the lifeblood that makes a lot of good movies is not just here's a story I made up, but also there's little anecdotes in it that I've heard from people Mm -hmm. over the Mm -hmm. years. Yeah. It it feels more organic. It's much more organic. Yeah. That's a good word. So like Sprouts and Whole Foods would be willing to sell it. I, I just went down to Whole Foods today. My uh, kid wanted a costume from My Hero Academia, and we accidentally ordered three of them, and I was supposed to return the other two, uh, and then everything went to crap the last month or so. Oh. Uh, the world's on fire. Everybody's running around like chickens without heads. Uh, so I finally got down today and uh, get my money back. But, uh, oh, nice. I was going to say, does that mean expensive. that? I was going to say, does that mean over the next three years, uh, your kid's going to be the same? Uh, same costume? <laughs> I don't, really don't know at this point. I'm thinking about it, but yeah. Rogan no, actually uh... just recently did a uh, a podcast with the guy who's the CEO of uh, Whole Foods, and they were talking about oh, yeah. the um, difference between the prices of Whole Foods foods before and after Amazon bought them. That's interesting. Yeah, because I, it... I would like to hear him talk about that. Yeah, because Amazon talked them into um, lowering their prices. They're still ridiculously pricey, but... Yeah, but, I mean, Amazon's going for the lowest bang for the buck. That's why people hate them is because they basically treat their... Well, let's not get into that whole discussion. (laughs) But a lot of money, no money, uh, a lot of money in, no money out. And the problem with that is that uh, it does make it very cheap for the customers, but you kind of destroy the ecosystem yeah yeah that is fair that is very all the parts are affected by that change but it's sad because you know you want what whole foods has you want something that's healthy exotic and nice but you just don't have that money i don't know what was the yuppie money from out in the bay or something i don't know i don't know i always thought that uh the cheaper food should be the stuff that's not processed and made in factories it should be the stuff that's of the land is that you think there's nothing really involved in producing it when you think about what's involved in producing like an oreo like the number of chemicals the number of processes the number of machines i mean you produce an apple and you got to hire somebody to go out there and pick them off of a tree and then put them into a barrel and and send them off whereas well, you that's like a, a lot of it's subsidi- subsidization i guess would be the phrase <laughs> and uh like the beef market cows are a net loss like it's very expensive to raise beef but it's heavily subsidized and that's why beef's and everything it's a oh, whole yes. cattle market of like 80s and 90s uh you know texas all across the mid belt 
all these cows and uh, it's kind of a pain in the ass because you have to, you know, and this goes into the whole vegetarian argument of it is that raising the plant costs a certain amount and then you feed the plant to the animal and that costs a certain amount and then the animal costs a certain amount and all that extra adds up and then that's why the meat is so expensive. So the government comes in and they put tons of money to the meat market so that meat can be mass produced. And people are like, if you just put that kind of money towards like the vegetable market, we could be like Japan and live primarily off of vegetables with a little bit of meat on the side. It's an interesting topic, but it's, uh, you know, there's a large part of what the government has to do with how they subsidize each of these industries. And that helps adjust the off, you know, set of how much is on the market resource uh, availability, you know, whether or not it's cheap, the price goes down because there's too much of it out there and they can't sell it. And a lot of that has to do with why you can go and buy, you know, feed a family of 30 at McDonald's for so much or feed one person with like health food for that price. Hmm. That's, a, that's, a, that's a very good point. But you know what it all leads to, Sean? Hobo with a shotgun? Beef. It's what's for dinner. That sounded like it should be in the movie. <laughs> it really should have been at some point with the, with the number of other one-liners and everything that they had. I really wanted I mean, to go through and I wanted to write down every one-liner. And I actually started to do that. But what, by the time I got like 10 minutes into the movie, I had about six pages. Oh. <laughs> I've, so on a long pathway of doing these, we used to write down all these complicated notes. I wanted to discuss the thesis of this. And we were interjecting each other back and forth with, oh, but, but this part of the film that I wrote down my notes. And I realized, uh, you know, there's some things like you do that with, uh, but I've just given up. I'm just going to try to actually memorize stuff. I know it's hard for my little my little hamster brain. Yeah. <laughs> your your hamster in a meat suit brain. Um Well, I I don't exactly give it the right chemicals to process. That is fair. <laughs> I'm I'm about like three glasses of whiskey and so but yeah, I, I find uh, I find talking about movies without any notes makes it a lot more fun because when when uh, when you go back and you listen to them and you realize all the shit you got wrong. <laughs> there is there is that um so yeah there's a certain amount of note taking but like there's every line in this is a one-liner so it's like you'd write down the entire script yeah uh another interesting fact about this movie you want to know what the last shot of the film is oh, oh the last shot that they recorded yeah no the the um chronologically was the last thing they shot in production yeah Oh, you, the you winner is. I, I want you to guess. Oh, you want? I hate guessing games. I know. Because then know. I always guess wrong. But but I enjoy them because I get to watch you get all <sighs> oh, nervous. Oh, the it. last, <laughs> the last shot of the film. It's got to be ironic, so it's got to be the first shot in the film, which means it's got to be, like, him on the train. Hundred percent. Last shot was as the train rode by and you got to see him out through the door. Ah, I felt like you, Sherlock with that. I'm like, yeah, this dude, you there. got it perfectly. Chess moves. <laughs> oh no. I feel I'm cursed now because if I, it was too easy, then something terrible is about to happen. Well, that wasn't too easy. You, you put a lot of thought into that. You went to your mind castle. I would do like, <laughs> it's funny. Cause like if you watch Hannibal or read the books, or anything like that where they talk about, you know, your mind palace where you go in and completely reconstruct reality. Uh, but then on the other end, you have that Stephen King movie, The Dreamcatcher, 
Uh, and then I just think about Samuel Jackson saying, or no, was it, Sam, it was Morgan Freeman saying shit weasels. Shit weasels. <laughs> have you never seen Dreamcatcher? I have not. <laughs> Dreamcatcher suffers one of those things where it's like a really high, big idea with a lot of cool stuff going on. And they did not do any of that. Okay. <laughs> Oh, Stephen King's like, you know, got these really cool ideas and the film just has <laughs> Morgan Freeman. Uh, you got to look up online and see if you can find the clip of Morgan Freeman saying that. Of Morgan, Morgan Freeman, Freeman saying shit weasels. Shit weasels. <laughs> yeah, he's like military or something. Comes in and he's like, we got some goddamn shit weasels that we got to fight. Because uh, it's the... So just to boil it down, there's these creatures uh, that infest the body and then c- use the body to produce them. And then the monster comes out your butt. Okay. So like aliens, but instead of popping out through the chest, it shoots out your butt. Okay. So kind of like what happens after Taco Bell. Yes. Basically it's a movie about uh, Stephen King ate Taco Bell and wrote about his experiences, you know, change a few names for sake of the, lawsuits but it, um speaking of stephen king um I, so i listen to a lot of por- a lot of a lot of podcasts. a lot of porno a oh, lot I was, of you're gonna say porno why well am I you don't porno? first you don't listen to porno you should know that um but i listen to a lot of podcasts one of the ones that i listen to is lore and one of the episodes he talks about a haunted house and the he talks about a lot of haunted houses but one of the, every now and then he'll be like, okay, so here's a neat fact about this specific haunting. And one of them is about a house that a writer went to and he wrote two of his most famous things there, one being Cujo and the other being Christine. And the funny thing is also that he doesn't remember writing at least one of them. I don't know if both well... of them, because one of them that he doesn't remember writing. And we know we know why that is. That's true, but he said Stephen he also King was very open about heavy amounts of alcohol and drug use in that era, which is when, like most musicians, he wrote his best work. And then when he went sober, like most musicians, it was affecting his art. So are you saying that we should just get ourselves completely fucked up and do this podcast? Because then it'll be the best yes. thing we've ever had. Yeah. Well, not not the podcast. We need to get as messed up as we can and produce the art film of the century. Just so uh, anybody listening knows, we do not um, promote. Is promote the right word? We do not. Uh, we do not condone or condone. promote the yes. use of illegal substances we suggest legal substances and in moderation moderation yes and with You're parental responsible adults with parental god damn i am way too way too drunk for this right now <laughs> and if you are not an adult then you need to go get your parents before you listen to this podcast yes uh, yeah well that's actually a very good point yeah, because you are way in too far. We've already gone over some nasty stuff, so you are scarred for life. I've, yeah, we we have gone way too far into most things here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I made a mistake. I talked about the shit weasels. 
<laughs> and on that note, I think it's about time we wrap this up. So thank you everybody for listening to the happy little screams podcast. If you like what you heard, please donate through our Patreon account. And if you uh, don't have the ability to do so, at least share the podcast with a couple of your friends, let them uh, hear the lovely voice of Sean and Tim as we talk about nonsense. We're going on a ride to hell and I'm riding shotgun. Until next time. Happy Christmas. This is the end now. Dave, this conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.